the Elevate Yourself podcast is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing is beer that is brewed without compromise. It tastes just like the hard stuff, except you don't get any of the baggage. So no hangover, less calories, less sugar, super yummy, and you can drink it any time of day. Encourage you to check them out at athleticbrewing.com and use code ELEVATE30. That's right, code ELEVATE30 at checkout for 30% off your first order. Do it. Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I feel super lucky. I work for this awesome company called Elevation Health. And in each episode of this show, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. It's my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little bit closer to becoming the best version of you. Dr. Liz Combs. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for doing this. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So just briefly off the top, tell folks about your background, your education, your training. How did we end up where we are today? Sometimes it feels long and sometimes it feels short. So I guess it depends on when you're asking me. But um, I am um, by training a registered dietitian. And so I am here at the University of Kentucky. And I did almost, no, I did almost all of my education here at UK, which I'm really grateful for. I started out as a really small school here in Kentucky and I wanted to be Katie Couric. And I was doing media comm. And I took this nutrition class as a, an elective. And all of a sudden, I just felt like the world opened up to me. And I felt like I got to read this in a textbook for a class. Um, and I realized that you could actually make a career out of nutrition. And so I transferred from that smaller school here in Kentucky to UK to pursue the dietetics profession. I became a registered dietitian many moons ago, and I've had a couple of hats in that field, working as a bariatric dietitian, working as a wellness consultant for the YMCA, and then my longest time um, out in the workforce was with um, a hospital system here in Kentucky as an outpatient dietitian working mostly with children, and during all of that time, I got my grad degree in dietetics administration. And then got a phone call one day, kind of a serendipitous phone call saying, would you like to come back to UK um, to work in academia? And I could not say no to that opportunity. And I've been here at UK now for the past 10 years, got my doctorate in kinesiology and health promotion during that time. And now I get to teach students who are pursuing things like dietetics and pre-med and pre-dent. And I feel so lucky because I do feel like it's the dream job. Oh my goodness. What a journey. You know, I look, I, you could definitely be, could have been the next Katie Kirk. There's no doubt about it. But I think, I think about I all those done it. I think I could have done it. You absolutely could have done it. But I just think about all those people you just mentioned that you got to work with and that you've experiences with. Um, they are very, very glad that you decided not to do that and really enjoyed what you read in that nutrition textbook. Well, thank um, so, so thinking about nutrition, March is National Nutrition Month. Mm -hmm. And so maybe just start with your general principle for your, maybe for yourself or friends, family. Um, what's the, just a general principle on nutrition and maybe healthy eating? 
Yes, that could be like, what, a whole semester's worth of discussion. Um, At least. I think what comes to mind is the word nourishment. And for so long, nutrition has gotten jumbled up with weight loss. And people tend to think about how less is more in the world of nutrition. And I really do think that we're thinking about it 100% incorrectly. And the fact of how can we nourish ourselves and what does nourishment really mean? So it might be about macros or it might be about the micros or it might be about calories. But beyond that, it's more about what food does for us and to us. Um, so sustaining health, having us be as functional as possible, and then also that whole emotional, psychological relationship with food, because it's typically so much more than just a calorie. So that's a very broad approach, but I think that trying to separate the idea of um, food as, you know, calories or food as a way of controlling our body shape or size and thinking of it more as how can we nourish ourselves through food. Um, and that can work for all ages and all approaches. That's really well said. Um, and you you kind of hit on it already with the nourishment. Um, but um, thinking about quality of the diet, dietary mm -hmm. pattern is a word that gets thrown around a lot. Um, why does like the quality of that nourishment, wh why does that matter? Like I could eat that Snickers bar and it could have the same macros as oh, yeah. something, right? But like, why does not choosing this other thing that maybe would be more nourishing matter? Well, everybody loves to talk about macros, right? <laughs> I think that if yes. you were to look up any kind of blog or TikTok yep. or anything, mm -hmm. it's going to be about those. The other part of the puzzle that is probably just as important, if not more important, that we don't talk about, and maybe talk about in other episodes of the podcast, are all those micros. And so what we're missing with this idea of, I could eat a Snickers, and sometimes you should eat a Snickers, but if you're saying, I should eat the Snickers for 200 calories versus this salad that has 200 calories in it, first, you need to ask yourself what you really want and what's going to nourish you. And maybe that Snickers is, but more than likely, our bodies are probably going to need to gravitate towards those little helpers of the micronutrients that we would find in those uh, things that dietitians love to say, but those green leafy vegetables and those grains and those nuts, um, those lean protein sources, those types of things, because those micronutrients that we can't really measure, we can't really see um, just with the naked eye are those helpers that are doing the work to get the energy out of the macronutrients. So I'm kind of going down a tangent here. But what I mean by that is we really do want to look at the quality of the foods that we're choosing, because it's not going to be just about how many calories that has in it. Is that going to make our body work well for us? It's going to be about those nutrients, those micronutrients specifically in it that are going to make our organism of a body work well for us and do what we want it to do. Oh my goodness. That is so good. And I love the, the little helpers. I think that's so, that's a great way to say it, right? We get so stuck up on this idea of less is more. And I think that we just have this culture that many of us have grown up in on, you know, how can I do what I want to do on as little fuel as possible? And that is so messed up in that sense. We really should try to like nourish the crap out of ourselves, right? I mean, right. really, how can we make our bodies do what we want it to do? And we have to give it the materials to do that. And the materials are not necessarily just the carbs and the fats and the proteins that we get energy directly from. The materials are going to be those little building blocks that make those work for us. And so, yes, you could have 200 calories of, of anything out there, 
But if you want those 200 calories to really work for you, you need to put all the other steps in place first through those nutrients themselves. So variety, um, exposure to different types of foods and flavors, um, that would be a main goal. Excellent. And you you kind of already hit on this about balancing that. But so if, if a person just generally kind of thinking about for exercise in particular, um, what would be kind of some general recommendations for someone that's getting ready to uh, participate in a bout of exercise. Yeah. Think about what you want your body to do for you rather than mm. necessarily what you want it to look like. So, you know, those are two very different end goals. For example, I think about running a lot. So, you know, if we want our bodies to run a mile at eight minutes, that should be our end goal that we're trying to fuel ourselves towards rather than have our body run an eight minute mile at this amount of pounds. So I think first and foremost, really trying to figure out what your goals are and hopefully we can have our goals work towards um, what our bodies can do for us rather than the size of our bodies. And then from that, you know, really it is about focused effort on fueling yourself and the timing is going to be a big piece of that. So what can you do to make sure that your body has the energy that it needs to perform in the way that you want it to? And it's probably going to come down to um, planning ahead, you know, having some snacks on hand if you're going to go out for an easy run or if you're going to go to the gym after work. You know, we can't expect our body to perform the way we want it to when it's completely on empty. And even if our body can do it completely on empty, it doesn't mean it should do it completely on empty. So I think that when we think about sports nutrition, um, planning ahead, always having some um, something around that can nourish you before your exercise. And then we can't overlook hydration because that's probably going to be one of the main points that people feel the most if they're dehydrated. And so, you know, adequately having fluids, ideally water at first um, beforehand, and then adequately nourishing yourselves during if it's going to be a long exercise experience. And then we can't forget that recovery piece because once we've broken all of that down, our body does need materials to put it back together and it can't do that if it's on empty. Very, very well said. I really also, I just wanted to kind of click in on the, uh, what we want our bodies to do, not what we want it to look like. And, and the example I've given before is um, we think about like a CrossFit athlete, yeah. right? Like, and people go, oh my goodness, look at like, they look at their, their bodies and they, they have all these abs going everywhere and everything. I was like, do you think that they sit there and just do a bunch of crunches to get that? No, they don't even worry about it. Like that's just a byproduct of fueling yes. properly to perform this activity. Like you just, so you kind of take the results out of it and just focus on this process. What do I need? Yeah. Right. No, a hundred percent. I think that we just have been pretty much brainwashed to believe that smaller is better. And um, in reality, we're asking a lot of our bodies, whether we're an everyday exerciser or whether you're going to be a marathoner. And so really just treating it with the respect that it deserves. And rather than trying to get it into the smallest shell possible, how can we get it to be the strongest shell possible? And, and nutrition is going to be the main thing to get us there. I've heard you discuss this previously with folks, but maybe just um, if an individual is uh, maybe they've gotten a recommendation from their primary care physician or someone else and they are on a goal to try to lose weight, mm -hmm. um, what would be just general recommendations about how to do that um, safely and to make sure that they're nourishing properly? Right, right. So um, by all means, if anybody's recommending to cut out entire 
food groups or entire macronutrient groups, um, that would be something that I would turn and run far, far away from because that wouldn't be um, nourishing our bodies the way that they really were created to be nourished. Um, there's a reason why our systems work the way they do, and we do need those macronutrients to fuel ourselves. Um, but if somebody was interested in losing some weight, especially if it would help with a chronic condition or if they would um, feel like their body could perform better or stronger at a lower weight, um, I would certainly recommend slow and steady. So a lot of research does support the idea that about five to seven percent weight loss over about a six month time frame would be a really good starting place for most. So you can throw out the whole calculations of, of BMI or anything like that. Very antiquated, really intended to be a screening tool and not a diagnostics tool. So we're not saying anybody needs to get down to a BMI of 24 or 25 but a slow, steady five to 7% would be a great starting place. And, and I do think that working with a registered dietitian or somebody who can kind of shine a light or pull the curtain back on some of our behaviors that we don't always notice in ourselves. So maybe we're consuming a ton of um, beverage calories and we're just not aware of it. Or maybe we're snacking on our kids' plates when we're putting them in the dishwasher. So I do think that working with a professional to kind of find some of those hidden um caloric intake that we're taking in that aren't really helping us, that aren't really nourishing us in any way is a great way to start. Um, but that would come along with working with a professional at that point. Very, very good. I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day about their, their kids. I'm like, the, you know, they go through with the dinosaur chicken nugget. And I, you know, it's like, I get it. I totally get it. Super oh yeah. One time. So I used to have um, people like carry a gallon size um, Ziploc baggie with them and anything that they didn't purposefully plan to eat. I encouraged them to put some of it in that bag. And so then by the end of the day, they could see all those things that they mindlessly grazed on. And um, it's typically pretty amazing when it's like a handful of Cheez-Its here or, um, you know, things that we weren't necessarily planning on on eating. And I didn't touch at all before with the question on the idea of intuitive eating or mindful eating. I think that is probably a whole other um, episode. Um, but I would hope that if somebody was going to work with a professional to try to lose some weight, that they would also talk about how to be really present when they are eating so they can enjoy um, the food they are having. That's really well said. Yes, we I've, I've hit on this before. Folks can link back to uh, a podcast on that. But um, I, my favorite example of this is people say good and bad food. And I go, okay, Usain Bolt's the fastest man in the world. He ran the entire Rio de Janeiro Olympics fueled on chicken McNuggets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't tell me that, that these are bad. You know, this is what worked for his body to nourish him. And he knew it would work with his stomach right. at that time. No, so. food is morally neutral. It is It is not good yes, or that's bad. Right. That's and right. It depends on the situation. And that's why it's about nourishment. Because there are times when a really warm brownie and a glass of milk is going to nourish me. And that's going to make me feel so good. And there's other times when that wouldn't be the best thing for me personally. So I, I do think it's personalized and I think it really does come down to being in tune with what your body needs. And that takes, it takes practice and it takes work and nobody's perfect about it. No. Um, you are about a month out, I believe four weeks out yes. from running your second Boston marathon. I would just love for you to share your, your personal journey in, in running. Uh, how do, how do we get to run in Boston the second time? I love talking about my journey of running because oftentimes I find with my college students specifically, they're like, I could never do that. And I'm like, no, 
you you could you could it, um, um, a lot of people kind of kind of put these self restrictions on themselves without thinking about it and I was one of those people so I swam all through uh, my childhood and I swam in college until I transferred here to UK and I had a gym class in college where we had to run a mile and a half and I hated it I couldn't run a mile and a half without stopping um, I chose triathlons based on how short the runs were at that point in time. I absolutely did not enjoy running. And um, at that point in time, I was trying to kind of get into triathlons when I stopped collegiate swimming. And I started to get this little itch of competition again after being a you know competitive athlete growing up. And so triathlons were kind of that door that opened up to me. And I was really strong in the swimming. I was decent on the bike, but then I would get crushed on the run. And I realized maybe I should do something about this and practice a little bit more. And I started out with those walk, run, walk kind of program. Yeah, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would be on this old school treadmill um, in this gym that was, uh, you know, really old, but it worked for me at the time. And I would um, walk for three minutes and then run for a minute. And that was how I started out. And if you had told me I was going to run a marathon, I would have laughed right in your face. Um, but little by little, it just started to click. And I started to find a lot of fulfillment throughout the process itself of, of trying things and seeing if they worked and then realizing that what you do put in is what you're going to get out of that experience. Um, from there, my mom and I randomly signed up for a half marathon six weeks before it started down in Disney World because we're really big Disney nerds. And I had never run more than five miles when we signed up for that. <laughs> and we did it. And literally, I crossed that finish line. This is the story from so many runners. I was like, oh, I have to do that again. Ah. And I signed up for my full marathon that day when I crossed the half, the half marathon finish line. Um, and then from there, that was about 13 years ago. I've run that Disney half marathon every year they've had it since then. So 15 years this past February. And um, this was my eighth marathon. So it just kind of transpired from, from that. But regarding Boston, that was uh, a pie in the sky goal that I never thought that I was a runner. I never thought that I could aspire or run that fast. Uh, around 2016, I really started to invest a little bit more into running and committing more to the process. And I started to see some of the benefits from that. And it started to come closer and closer within reach. And so uh, that was my goal that I really worked towards for about four years. And then uh, three or four weeks before my marathon that I thought I was going to qualify, they moved all of the qualifying times up by five minutes. And this huge amount of self-doubt just set in. And I was like, no, I've been trying for uh, 3.35 this whole time. And now it's 3.30. I, five minutes is a lot in a marathon. Yeah. Um, but I had to trust the training that I had put in. And um, believe it or not, even though they had moved up that cutoff time, it worked out and uh, qualified for, for my first Boston back in 2018. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So out of all of that, is there a, a life lesson that you've learned from running? Is there like one thing that you're like running has taught me this? And there's several in there, but like. I do think that um, running is a lot about inertia. And I think that a lot of life is about inertia. And it's the mm -hmm. fact that you, you have to get started to get anything done. And so, you know, um, 
a lot of times there's opportunities where I'd much rather sit on the couch than go out for a run. But I find that once I put that, um, you know, discipline in place, and once I actually get out there and I'm in the sun and I'm outside and I'm moving my body, it all starts to fall into place. And I'm able to be a much more productive citizen the rest of the day. And I think that that goes into a lot of other life lessons and the fact that sometimes we just have to get ourselves started. And that first step can be the hardest in a lot of aspects of our lives. So I think seeing it every day play out in, in everyday training runs really does help also in other aspects of life of, of just put that first step in front of the other. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. Well, we're all cheering for you. You're going to do Thank great. You. Second time you're going to just absolutely crush it. Boston doesn't even know what, doesn't even know what would hit it. It's um, a lot of fun. It's something like I've never, never seen before. So it is it's a good thing. Oh my goodness. Um, we're going to move to rapid fire real quick. You've been, okay. you've been so great. Um, I, I have a hunch maybe here, but let's see one thing you do every single day that elevates you. Um, every single day, one thing that I do intentionally is I have at least one meal with my family. So um, whether that's, it could be breakfast, it could be dinner, it could be, you know, maybe a late night snack because we all do have pretty busy schedules, but we really do try to prioritize sitting down together um, at a table at least one time a day to try to reconnect. And I would say that those are some really um, just empowering times to get to come together and see why we're, why we're working towards what we're working towards. That's so good. Just a plug to my mother. She made us do that as children. And at the time yeah. we didn't understand it later, later on. Yes. So you yes. tell your kids I said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best purchase in the last year for less than $20, $20 to spend. What was the best purchase? Uh, can I have like a $5 coupon for some? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give you a sale, not, not including shipping. Um, the thing that came to mind is my armor $25 Gooder sunglasses. And no, I'm not sponsored by them. I'd love to be sponsored by them. Um, <laughs> but I just really find that when I put on sunglasses for running, it like transforms me into my alter ego. And I'm able to run a little bit harder, run a little bit faster, and just have a little bit more fun um, every day in my runs. So yes, I'm breaking the rules a little bit, but I would probably say those uh, $25 sunglasses. Way to go, Gooder. I agree. Mm -hmm. Clothing, our accessories yes. matter. Um, we've talked a lot about food. Did you have a favorite meal, like a, like a go-to meal? It's so boring, um, but I love white rice. Yeah. But um, growing up, a meal that we had almost every Sunday were um, Swedish meatballs and rice. And mm -hmm. it was a family recipe that my mom still makes to this day. So if I had to say a favorite meal that's comforting um, is probably good old white rice and some, some meatballs. That sounds great. I'm, I'm, I'm all in with the white rice. Yeah. Um, do you have a, I throw quotes out all the time. Somehow I've not gotten one in here today yet, but uh, do you have a favorite quote or saying that you, uh, that you go to sometimes? It, it does. It does change. It changes often. I love quotes. I read a, a lot. Um, the one that's been my mantra or I've really been kind of thinking about a lot this training cycle is as the way that you do anything is the way you do everything. And so I've been trying to really focus on the fact that, you know, the way that you do one easy run or the way that you um, speak to somebody is the way that you are personified in everything else that you do. So that's kind of what I've been holding on to. The way that you do anything is the way you do everything. Well said. And it goes back to that inertia thing, right? Yeah. We do this thing there. That, yep. Keep it moving forward. Yep. yep. 
the Matthew McConaughey green light deal. It's, it's, green it light all, it yeah. is all connected. Yeah. It is all connected. Yeah. And we tried to dissect it. And that's where we really start to fall apart. But it is all it is all connected. Okay. Do you have a like a let's crush this run or workout song that you're listening to in this training cycle? Like, you know, those times where you're like, not really feeling it, but hey, I'm going to go to some tunes here and that it's, it's go time. So I can promise you, you have never had this answer before. And it is almost embarrassing to say, but it's, I'm answering truthfully. You know, good old meatloaf. Oh yeah, sure. Sure. I know meatloaf. For some reason, I really don't know why, but anything for love, but I won't do that. I have had it on my um, playlist recently. And when it comes on and you got those like 80s, early 90s. Oh yeah. Layering tunes. It's not a running song, but for some reason it makes me laugh and smile. And I do pick up the pace a little bit when it comes on. Do you, do you have one? Um, oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Sometimes for a workout, if I need something, it's Eminem 8 Mile. Like it's, it's you know, get over yourself. You got one shot. Um, yeah. And oh, then yeah. I'll go, I'll go like some Guns N' Roses sometimes, like some Guns and GNR. I think it's just oh, something about I the hair. Love yeah. me some Guns N' Roses. Yes. I have a hunch that Meatloaf is going to be playing at some point during the Boston Marathon for you. It, you're just, it's going to happen and it's going to push you over that line. You are correct. It, it is not the quintessential running song, but for me, it works. <laughs> um, last question here, post-workout, what's your nourishing fuel of choice generally? So truth be told, uh, after a long run, I go through the McDonald's drive through yes. and get hash browns. Love that so much. Yeah. So it is the salt and the fat and the heaviness of it that sits well on my stomach after a long, especially because a lot of my marathons are in the spring. So a lot of long, cold runs and I will make my way through the drive through and get two hash browns. And that is my refuel, my first refuel of choice. So I am very consistent about refueling a lot after especially longer efforts and longer runs. And that's my first um, pass. And then I'll probably do something a little bit more balanced or maybe considered nutritious afterwards. But it's those McDonald's hash browns. It's a great answer. Yeah, mine's Pop Tarts. Like after my life, yes. I was just smashing Pop Tarts. Oh, it's so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I would I'm have to put that. like salt on it though. I need, I yeah, can't do sweet afterwards. I need the salt afterwards. So, so far right. we need to get sponsored by Pop Tarts and McDonald's. And McDonald's, and uh, hash browns. We're going to, we're going to have a great race. We're going to design this race and that's going to be it. Oh my goodness. We're out of time. Dr. Lewis Combs, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. As I mentioned, I work for Elevation Health, and we've been in business for 27 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks, 27 years. And in our 27 years, we've seen it all. So whatever your needs might be, we got you covered. From fitness management and online training to on-site classes and integrated technology, we help small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at contactelevation.com and to follow us on social media at elevation.health.